you would open your Old Testaments to the book of Psalms, we're going to be looking at one particular verse of Psalm chapter 73. It's this week's memory verse, and it's also the subject of the article on the front page of the newsletter. But I want to begin by reading at verse 25 of Psalm chapter 73. As you read through the Psalms, you have to be impressed with the thinking of the various psalmists. This particular psalm was written by a man by the name of Asaph. Many of the psalms were written by David. This one was not. But as you read these psalms, you see a, a depth of spirituality that you can't help but covet. You, you envy the depth of their thinking about God and the relationship that they had with him. In this particular psalm, in verse 25, he writes, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who were unfaithful to you. But as for you, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. As I look at that expression, the nearness of God, what that brings to my mind is a closeness between us and God. It's, it's a statement with respect to a man's relationship with his creator. And as we look at that statement, we, we have to ask ourselves the question, do we experience that in our lives as Christians? Do you ever feel like God is far away? I know you have. In your experience as a child of God, there have been times when you just didn't feel that God was very close to you. But hopefully there have been many more times when you have experienced what the psalmist writes about here in this verse, and that is the nearness of, of God. I want to take a moment to just dig a little bit deeper into what it is that he says and what it signifies about his relationship. He writes, as for me, you know, this is very personal to him. As for me, the, nearest of, the nearness of God is my good. What he's telling us is that of all the things in life about which one might say, this is good. For me, what is good is the nearness of my God. You go back a couple of chapters or a few chapters to chapter 65 of the book of Psalms, you'll, you'll notice again an expression that is made by, by another psalmist in chapter 65 in verse 4. He writes, How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple." Now, here is the idea as expressed by David giving recognition to the fact that in Jerusalem there was the temple 
there was to be built the temple that would signify the dwelling place of God. It was the tabernacle during the time of David. It was the tabernacle during the time of the wilderness wanderings. But that was the place that God said, this is where you are to come. This, this represents me as your God. Now, they knew that God was a spirit. They knew that God was everywhere. But there was something about going to that place that would bring to their mind God's nearness. It brings to my mind a statement that's found in the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And this again was written to those who lived under the old covenant, but who were now Christians under the new covenant. And he writes, let us, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, he's speaking of our salvation experience. And what he's telling us here is similar to the thought that was expressed by the psalmist, we can experience this nearness. We can say that God's nearness is, is our good. You'll notice also that the psalmist wrote, but as for me, this personal experience, the nearness of God is my good, he also states... I have made the Lord God my refuge. Look at the purpose. Look at the intention that was expressed in this statement. I have chosen. I have made God my refuge. Now, what is a, what is a refuge? It's a place of safety. It, it's a place where we go and we, we, we have no concern there. We know that we're safe. We, we, we know that we have not to be concerned about whatever it is that's going on in the world, whatever it is that's going on about us. We know that we can go to this place and we're going to be safe. Well, the psalmist is telling us that, that God is that place. God is our refuge. In, in, in Psalm chapter 71 and verse 1, the psalmist writes, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. And then in verse 3, but to me, a, a rock of habitation. But to me, a rock of habitation which I may continually come. That's what God was to the psalmist. And then again in verse 5, for you are, you are my hope. You are my confident expectation. You are my shelter. You are my protection. Do those thoughts ever go through your mind when you think about God? Not only... Is God your, your good, the nearness of God, but have you decided that God is going to be your refuge? And then in Psalm chapter 25, in, in verse 2, Oh, my God, in you I trust. Well, there's that place of safety again. It's the relationship that we have with God. And then he says, because of this, that is, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I've made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. You see, that was the outcome. That's where the relationship took the psalmist. In Psalm chapter 71, again, in verse 7 beginning, the psalmist writes, I have become a marvel to many. 
for you are my strong refuge. Think about that statement. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. You see, because of the relationship that he had with God, because God was near and he chose to make God his refuge, his life, think about that statement in verse 7, his life became a marvel to many. What does that say? It says that others not only heard what he was saying, but they watched his life. They watched how life affected him. He had problems. He had trials. He had issues. He had the same challenges as everyone else. But when they saw the way he addressed those challenges, those problems, those issues, he became a marvel to many. And then he spoke of what God had done for him. Does that describe us? Should it not describe who we are? In chapter 40 of the book of Psalms, you'll notice in verse 4 beginning. Psalm chapter 40 beginning in verse 4, how blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust. There's the man who has decided, I have made the Lord God my refuge. How blessed is he. And he has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. He's not seeking security in a relationship with others. He's not seeking security in his possessions. He has put his trust in God. God is his refuge. Many, O oh Lord, my God, verse 5, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Now what brings us to that point? what brings us to the point in life at which we can't even count all the good things that God has done for us. What brings us to that point is that seeking of nearness with God, putting our trust in Him, and then stepping back and knowing that He is at work. Seeing what God has done giving recognition verbally to the works of, of God. I ask the question again, does that describe who we are? One final verse, and then I want to go in a little bit different direction. In, in Psalm 107 and, and verse 22, speaking of, of how we would speak of God and all the things that God has done for us, in Psalm chapter 107 and verse 22, let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Well, again, when we sing, when we were singing earlier this morning, we were speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and in those thoughts expressed in those songs, we were telling others of what God has done for us. You know, we need to take our minds to a deeper level whenever we engage in worship, whenever we sing these songs to God. It's not just words on the page. We are expressing sentiments that are found in the Scriptures. Do you know the nearness of God in your life? Have you made the Lord God your refuge? 
that you may tell of God's works. Well, it's a simple pattern, I think, that is the steps that we are to take. And it's really outlined for us here in Psalm chapter 73 and verse 28. That is how we can get to that point. Well, I think it begins with that decision to draw near to God. In James chapter 4 and verse 8, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And we do that as we study God's Word, as we listen to what God is telling us in the Scriptures. We do that as we pray to God. We, we communicate to Him as He has communicated to us. And then we meditate. We take the time to think about our relationship with God. We take the time to think about what it is that, that God has done for us. It's, it's not rocket science, as we often say. But it does require time and it does require effort. It's, it's a decision. It begins with a decision, but then there is execution that must follow that decision. We looked at verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10 earlier. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. But in this same chapter in verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit is of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, when we assemble together, we carry out that desire that we saw earlier in the book of Psalms about singing and offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. We're speaking of the works of God and what it is that God has done for us. You remember the psalm that we looked at that was written by David where he made reference to going into the courts. He made reference to going into the temple. He made reference of going into that place that represented God's dwelling place. I don't, I don't want to make too much of this point, but the scriptures let us see and know that when we come together, this is not just church, as we often speak of it. This is a time when we assemble in that dwelling place of God. Not the build, building, but the hearts of fellow disciples. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16, Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are. You're in the midst of God's temple this morning. And this is a means of drawing near to God. It takes place in private devotion. It takes place in private study, in private prayer. But this assembly, this coming together, it's not just a, a, a point on a checklist. There is something that is to happen and it will happen if you are mentally attuned to it and if you are engaged in thinking about what it is that we're doing in this drawing near to God. It's a decision. And then you put your trust in the Lord. If, if you want to make the Lord your refuge, you're going to have to let go of all those things in your life that have been your security. Money, bank accounts, retirement accounts, a job, relationships, earthly relationships. We tend to want to find our security in those areas and God is not our refuge because we haven't made him such. He is not our place of safety because we haven't made that decision. 
We haven't made the decision of the psalmist as expressed in Psalm chapter 62 and verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. That's purpose. That's intention. That's a desire. That's a commitment to the relationship an understanding of the power of God, an understanding of, of, what, of what God has done for us and who he is. Paul instructed Timothy to, to, to say and to teach certain things to those who are rich in this life and not to be conceited and fix their hope on these things that God has given us to enjoy, but don't be conceited and fix your hope on those things. We must put our trust in God. And then we'll experience that nearness because we'll be aware when we're trusting him. This is yours, God. I can't handle this. I'm putting this in your hands. I'm casting all my anxiety upon you. I, I'm going to stop trying to, to make things happen myself. I'll do what I feel like is my part, but I know that my part is very small. Your part. You are my trust. You are my stronghold. And isn't it amazing how evangelism actually falls out of this? As for me, the nearest of God is my good. The nearness of God is my good. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. You make the decision to draw near to God. You put your trust in Him. And then you step back. And you become aware of what He's doing. You, you become aware of what he has done. And then you go and you talk about it. Remember the psalm we read earlier about how the psalmist said that I have become a marvel to many? Well, they see in your life, they see in my life, something that they want. It's not that I've decided to become a preacher. I'm just someone who has a relationship with God. And I'm going to talk about that relationship. I'm not going to allow myself to be rattled by the economy. I'm not going to be, allow myself to be rattled by the political situations of life. I'm going to tell of God's greatness. I'm going to tell how He is my trust. Psalm chapter 105 and verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Speak of all His wonders. I think about Paul and Silas in that Roman prison cell. You remember when they went to Philippi and they were arrested? And what were they doing at midnight? They were singing songs of praise to God. Can you imagine the impact that their action was having upon others? They were, they were telling others of God's works as they sang those songs. God was near them in that prison cell. God was their refuge. God was taking care of them. They put their trust in Him, and then they were telling others as they sang these songs of what God meant to them and what God had done for them. There was a, an event in the life of Jesus that I think so well illustrates this, this point about telling others of God's works. And it's, it's one of the miracles that Jesus performed. We read about this in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus drove a demon out of one who was possessed by demons, many demons. 
He had not put on any clothing, this is verse 27, for, for a long time and, and was not living in a house but in the tombs. Think about his life. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and he fell before him and he said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other? This is the demon speaking through the person, son of the most high God. I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded, that is, Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and, and kept under guard, and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Just think about the life that he lived. This was a life of, of misery. This was a life of bondage. This was a, a hopeless situation. Every day brought the same misery as the day before. And Jesus, God came near to this man. He drove out the demons. This man learned something that was very important at that moment. He learned to put his trust in the Lord. Nobody else could do this. Well, you think about what God has done for you in salvation. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been released from the bondage, the misery that comes in knowing that you were separated from God by your sins and you are in a hopeless situation that has been taken away by God who came near in the form of Jesus and gave his life for us. And we can be freed from that bondage through his sacrifice. And then as the story continues, you'll notice in verse 38, but the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. He did not want Jesus to go away. He wanted to be near him. He wanted to draw near to Emmanuel, who was God with us. Because he learned, this is my... Refuge. This is my place of safety. He has saved me. And then verse 39, Jesus said to return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. He was telling of all the works of God, wasn't he? He didn't go to evangelism school. He didn't go to preacher school. He didn't take all the courses on how to teach and how to win friends and influence people. He just went out there talking about what God had done for him because he valued and he treasured that. May God help us to be as this psalmist. May God help us to say, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Of all that I have in life, this is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all his works. May God help us to that end. The last is yours. Let's go to God now in prayer.